0: Episode two one five of the All the Books Show, recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library. We talk book news, author news, and literary news. I'm Eric Michaels.
1: I'm Nick Gunning. Uh, that was a weird that was a weird start to this episode. Be- Why? Well before before oh, they heard gosh. it. There was just there was just multiple attempts to get it right, and then right. you still seemed like you couldn't remember how to say two fifteen. <laughs> so you did that. Two, the two hundreds are
0: gonna be rough. I know.
1: We have eighty five more of these episodes to do it in
0: this thing. You. Yeah, it I just you want to say time. twenty. I choose to find it charming. I want to say twenty
1: fifteen. Anyway, as Eric said, we do talk book news, author news, and literary news today. We're talking to an author. We're talking to Sarah Prineas, author of Dragonfell. Now, if you remember a few episodes back, in episode two eleven, titled "Use Sexy New Books," you where we <laughs> it's a pretty good title. Thank you. Where we pick books from the new book collection and talk about them a little bit. Eric landed on Dragonfell, and I had an attitude about it because I don't read a lot of fantasy. But I was really digging what he was reading, and so we read it together and then uh, sat down and chatted with Sarah Prinius about it. So you can find that a little later in the episode. So thank you in advance to Sarah, our guest, today. What have you been up to, my friend? Shall we open up the old books, see where the bookmarks are? Yeah okay sorry i'm tired is that that what counts for banter no i'm I'm tired why don't i go first Will that take will that take a little pressure off you okay 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 Uh, let me just let me just get this first one out of the way because i've got a real attitude about it okay and that is the warning by james patterson and robeson wells okay robinson is it robinson isn't it? I don't think so. Did you say Roibison? I said Robeson. I think it's just R-O-B-I-S-O-N. Look, you can spell it all you want. Okay. You're just <laughs> picking a weird battlefield to die on. Anyway, now you told me last week when I mentioned this author that that's a YA author. Uh,
0: yeah. he have written, a lot of his YA what, books. What has he written? Like Variant okay. and other books
1: like okay. that. Maybe Blackout, I think, is one of the titles. All right. Well, here's the thing. With these James Patterson present, and they're not—it's not a James Patterson present. Sorry, these James Patterson co-authored books. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've read like NYPD Red. I've read a couple other of these ones that have a co-author. And what I'm always impressed by is how they do tend to retain a little bit of that—the feeling of like the early, the Alex Crosses, or you know, sort of the classic, (laughs) if you want to say that James James Patterson canon there. This one? The classic James Cadden. Well, you know, the the, the really short chapters, just the the way they're written structurally. Even the ones with co-authors tend to follow that pattern, which works really well and encourages you to read more and more and more because the chapters are brief. And Anyway, usually it still feels like a James Patterson-esque novel. This one, for better or worse, did not feel like it at all. Mm. Um, I am 100% convinced that this was written for the YA market and they changed their mind for some reason. Sure. Because it is such a YA novel. It's got, you've got your two, (laughs) two like teen protagonists and it alternates between his view and her view, basically navigating a world in a a post like Chernobyl-esque disaster. Okay. Okay. It gets sci-fi. It gets very different from what you'd expect from a James Patterson. So It starts to sound like a uh, Robinson Wells book. Yeah, it does. Okay. So... If it was marketed in that way, that'd be one thing. But like picking this up, expecting a James Patterson book, um, you know, you usually know what you're going to get. First time in print though, it is. I know, and that's another thing. It didn't come out in hardcover. Mm. It came out in the oversized, like chunky paperback. At least in in the U.S., that's that's how it came. So I'm very confused by this, but I feel like it must just be sort of a behind the scenes kind of thing. Um, So I didn't enjoy it in part because it wasn't what I was expecting, but I also just thought it was kind of bad. Ooh, and it was just riddled with the weirdest pop culture references mm. um, of any book that I've ever read. Like okay. it was just, it was all over the place, right? You know, it was like they were talking about how Minority Report, the film, is like under underappreciated in Spielberg's canon. At one what? point, I know I'm just like, Minority Report. Is it? It's like 20 years old. These kids are like 16, and then they were and talking. I don't even about, think it's underrated. I, I know. And they talked about AI also being underrated. Um, but they they were talking about. He was calling her the bionic woman, mm. which, I mean, I love retro TV, and right. I have not seen the bionic right. woman, okay? One point, he's sort of like flirting with her, like he's going to kiss her or something, and he does his best Sean Connery voice. Like, where are they seeing Sean Connery in? What? It's very confusing. Huh. That's what I'm saying. It was yeah. like there was no through line of where these pop culture references right. were coming from, other than the fact that they are dated. Chris tried to play it cool, like Brandon Lee in The Crow. You're right. That's exactly <laughs> what it was like. So this was bad. And But I told him,
0: where's the map? From Doors, the Explorer.
1: Yeah, that that would that would not be too off. You're in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> when I was looking at the Goodreads reviews on this, it seemed like it's kind of a consensus that everybody's like, "Wait, what? <laughs> this is YA sci-fi. Yeah. Why is this?" You know, so it's very very confusing. I do
0: not think Minority Report is underappreciated, and that's I'm having a hard time getting past that
1: one comment that you shared. Oh, really? I'm not yeah. kinda, i th- I could see that. I Minority think, Report by yeah, Spielberg. People, I don't think people care about Minority Report. I don't think it's held up as like. Oh, you got to see Minority Report. I love it. I think it's I think it's known to be one of his really? best ones. Yeah. What year did that come out? Two thousand two. Okay. So like I was fresh out uh, of high school. Two thousand one. Okay. I was right <laughs> around the end of my high school. I think I was okay. out of high school by the time this came out. And okay. like I mean I loved it, but I just don't know if like the average Joe Schmo will be like Minority Report. Sure. I don't know. Okay. I'm having. All right. Well, I'm going to be bothered by that. You know all day. what? You know what? Twitter poll, everyone. This is going to be a Twitter poll. Oh, don't See, ask, don't ask the general ask, public. I'm going to ask them <laughs> their feelings on Minority Report. So that's all a long winded review to say that if you're a fan of, probably if you're a fan of Robinson Wells, um, or if you're a fan of young adult. I don't, this doesn't sound like I would be. <laughs> then maybe you'll like it. Yeah. If you were a fan of James Patterson and looking for that type of book, mm-hmm. look elsewhere, my friend. Right. So, uh, I read that was the main novel that I read this week. Uh, so, sorry about that. Okay. Um, I also read a book to my son. This is a junior Batman <coughs> novel called Catwoman's Halloween Heist. Yeah. So I mentioned this because we have this whole series in the in the junior series section right here at the David A. Howe Public Library. We have these on Batman, Superman, and do we have a Wonder Woman run? Wonder Woman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Flash. Green Lantern, okay. Justice League. So it's fun. It's fun. It's a good mix of. Um, story and pictures and then there's a lot of like there's word art throughout yeah. so it's visually entertaining this one was halloween themed it was a batgirl robin team up so yeah. we had a lot of fun so if you're if you're looking for a book for the eight to twelve year old crew um this was
0: decent i appreciate it because it still uses the dc animated series it does work from, from our, the uh, later years yeah it the was New like adventures the, the tim
1: drake robin yeah, yeah yeah so i read that and then i read a bunch of graphic novels i will mention wonder woman gods of gotham this is where yeah is this
0: with maxi zeus
1: is he, is he in it, it? Maxi Zeus? Is this where I don't, Gotham becomes like all ancient Greek? Yeah, I guess okay. maybe Maxi Zeus is in it. Like the yeah. villains each become, uh, yeah. like Joker becomes Medusa, that yeah. sort of thing. Okay, I read this. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Well, I wouldn't say it. I. I didn't particularly enjoy it. I typically don't like the ones that get really deep into the Wonder Woman mythos. There's some cool Batman Wonder Woman scenes, but. I you know, I could take it or leave it. You liked it though? Yeah, I did. Big fan? Okay. I wasn't gonna say big fan. I read uh as longtime listeners will know, I've been in a bit of a Green Lantern kick. And I read both volumes of Larfleas. Larfleas is the orange lantern, whose <laughs> whole thing is that he's he has the he wields the light of avarice. He's very greedy. Yeah. So this was actually a lot of fun. It's it looks cool. Like it's a cool looking book. The art right. really works. It suits it well. Uh you'd think it would get old, Larfleas being unpleasant but it actually works pretty well looking like elf looking like elf and the characters around him made this pretty fun so i like this quite a bit and we're going to be talking to the author of this in a couple of weeks jmd matisse so look out for that um i'm currently reading hellblazer volume one i've never read a john constantine book before okay i've read him in some justice league dark right uh but i've never read just a solo book so i just started this the reviews are not kind Mm. so i don't know if i'll like it or not but so far, I do like it. This was when we first started getting graphic novels here. This was before you even came. I ordered a few graphic novels, and oh, one yeah. of them was the Constantine New Fifty Two series. Yeah, and we just couldn't keep it on the shelf. No. so we got that whole series, and it w- it remained super popular throughout yeah. its run. So, this is uh, this is in the Rebirth era. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think. Okay, seems like it ties in well with Halloween. All right, kind of a spooky book. Yeah, I played Pac Man yesterday, and I
0: was like, ghost ghosts because of halloween. halloween yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> eric's having a little trouble with the halloween spirit this year i don't want to get into do it Do you want a hug no what if i just put my hand Hugs on your shoulder have never helped me with
0: the halloween spirit Hello? candy spooky music doing a bob for apples and fake spider
1: webs around the house fake spider webs do you have yeah. any fake spider webs around no, your i got some real ones uh, yeah, oh it's yeah scary truth talk
0: but you know what i'd rather have that one daddy long legs that's just hanging out in the corner of my side room
1: than like five flies i agree so i agree uh finally i'm reading starship trap by mel gilden so this is uh i have a not library related but off off the grid book club that i do with some friends and we alternate between star trek and star wars mm-hmm. right now we're on star trek hey, and we're doing found this uh, who's, yeah, I, who I, I, who came I found to it. you and was like i want to do this me. star trek star wars it was
0: me i i just assume it would be a fan of both star trek and star wars it was me huh yeah Why i started it What's it like? You start. You did it because you wanted I've to actually it. read some Star Wars books for the first time. You know time? what? <laughs> That's rude. I've read so many. St- I've read more Star Wars. I, have I read more Star
1: Wars books than you? I don't know. I bet it's. I bet it's a horse race. I bet it's real <laughs> neck and neck. Now you've read more. I have. Yeah. <laughs> I can finish the show by myself. <laughs> no, you're not bringing anything to the table. Get out of here. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I got a big... I bought a box of Star Trek books, and there's a bunch of duplicates. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. this is perfect for a book club. You Oh, you bought them, right? Yeah, I did. So that's how it's been going, basically. Did, we,
0: did you thank the person on the podcast uh, personally for that recent donation I to the not, library? I have not. I've My been goodness. Re- I've been
1: remiss in that. <laughs> yes, we were gifted a giant box of Star Trek books to the David A. Howe Public Library, including some by past guests of the show, uh, a couple by David Dvorkin, mm-hmm. uh, a couple by Joe Haldeman, yep. one by Joe Haldeman's brother. I didn't realize he had a brother who, Bob was, who was writing. No, it's, I <laughs> can't remember what it is. But anyway, yeah, past guests, David Dvorkin, Joe Haldeman. You can go back yeah. and find their interviews on SoundCloud.com slash all the books. But a huge... A huge cache of Star Trek yeah. books, so we're we're adding quite a few of them to the collections. The ones we didn't have, we're gonna do some Star Trek raffles. <laughs> probably when uh, Picard, the new Picard, Picard. series, drops yeah. in January. So yeah, it was pretty exciting to do that. But anyway, currently reading Starship Trap by Mel Gilden, and that's serving two purposes because it's part of my book club, and we're interviewing Mel Gilden on the show. Goodness, yeah. Down the road, we're gonna he he and wrote you just spring this on me on the on air. I told you
0: that. All oh, right. Yeah, you just I don't remember. you don't listen. Yep not off an air. Anyway,
1: he wrote uh he has a lot of um uh, junior and young adult books which we have in the collection. He also wrote both Star Trek and Beverly Hills 90210 books. So it's like he's your basically my basically my spirit animal. Yeah. So, anyway, sure. that's it for me. I watched some things but but let's get to that after you've uh done okay. your books. What have you been reading, big guy? I finished Dragonfell. Yes, by
0: Sarah Prinius. I I know her. Yeah, we spoke. Uh, liked it. Yeah. Probably would easily recommend it to some kids
1: looking for some fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. a good. It's I never a good entry read I didn't read it. I watched the movie and I hated it so very much. The movie's but supposed to be real bad. Again, I'm a. I'm. I'm not a. I'm not a big fantasy reader. A what? I don't read a lot of fantasy novels. Oh, that's right. I uh, think I've read The Hobbit. I mean, I know yeah. I've read The Hobbit and the first two Wheel of Times mm-hmm. and Dragonfell. It's probably <laughs> uh, seriously. It's probably the extent of it. That's crazy. Sorry. Okay. You got some. I've always wanted to read Eye of the Dragon, Stephen King one. Oh. But. You don't think? Well, you read the Gunslinger, did you oh, like that? God. No, I hate the Gunslinger. Okay, all right. Uh, you said
0: Dragonfell, and I know you read some comics. I did read some comics. I read Batman Going Sane. Oh yeah, where Joker goes sane? He goes sane. Yeah, uh, gives it a shot. It's four issues. Yep. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. So I liked it too. Support. It 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 does it does certain things that are different than uh, White Knight. Batman White Knight, yeah. where Joker also kind of goes sane. Uh, but in White Knight, it's over his, it's his own accord. Right. He's going sane because he knows that's the only way to beat Batman. Right. Whereas in this, he goes sane because he thinks he beat Batman. Right.
1: Um, but there's still some... There are some similarities, though. I'd be interested to know if... Is it Sean Murphy who wrote the new one? Yeah. I would be interested to know his history with uh, going sane because, yeah. you know, thematically, it's very... Yeah. It, it seems to borrow some things. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, boy, I read... The Guardians of the Galaxy, all new X-Men trial of Gene Gray. Yeah, crossover. That. I mm-hmm. read it because I also read the Cyclops book. Yeah. Uh, and I had to do that. I like the Cyclops. To get to books. the Cyclops book. Yeah. The trial of Gene Gray, I I don't I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm past the Bendis X-Men stuff, so this yeah. was like going back to something I thought was done right. for me. And I was just like, oh boy. Didn't like it. No, I don't I don't understand. I don't get the point. Okay. Um the the Shiar accusing Gene Gray of a crime that her other self-committed because this is
1: Gene Grey from the 60s. Right, and right, the present. right, right. It's a lot. It's convoluted.
0: Uh, it's, just, it's just not great. Mm-hmm. I just never want to read another Bendis on the X-Men book as long as
1: I live. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, comic book author, Brian yeah. Michael Bendis, currently writing uh, Legion of Superheroes for DC. Good luck. And some Superman. So. <laughs> yeah, Superman seems to we'll be see. getting like good reviews. I could take it or leave it. I okay. didn't think it was groundbreaking or anything. Yeah. Uh, the more
0: characters he has to write, it's i didn't like his avengers just thinking about them makes me tired yeah. they're just i don't know it's just he 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 was such like a workhorse in the later years he was working at marvel that it you just feel like he's he's not there's no what am i trying to say he's lazy they come across Whoa. as lazy. They come Whoa. across as just like, I don't know, what if the thing went to the park and oh, a bird hit him? I want
1: to be there the day that you and Bragg Michael Bendis get stuck in an elevator together for six hours yeah. so you can just work all this rage yeah. out.
0: Yeah, he'll turn it into a five issue comic series Probably. and it's all word balloons. <laughs> Probably. The
1: artist just copy
0: and paste the one oh, shot of us in the elevator. Wow. 80 he's word balloons he's every in every panel. rare form today,
1: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen.
0: Uh, oh.
1: Boy, I am tired. I can see it. Picture. See it dark eyes. <laughs> Picture the scene. Okay. Of
0: a young, that's fun exercise. handsome, slightly graying okay. around the beard. Sure. Uh young Eric oh. sleeping, okay, soundly. Maybe okay. he's dreaming about the X-Men. Graying he, around the beard. Yeah, my oh. like, I got I get some white coming in the how's, beard a little your bit. How's chest hair doing is it? Okay. All right. Uh <laughs> I was curious. Uh, he he's sleeping soundly, which okay. is great cuz he doesn't sleep soundly. He, a ro- he's a light is, sleeper. This is a word picture. It's like a. am All there. of a sudden his phone alarm goes off. He yeah. goes to grab his phone to turn the alarm off. What is it? the alarm still going off? It's not his phone. It's his wife's phone. Oh, boy. Wait, she's not in the bed. She's in the shower. Where's her phone? He's so tired now. He rolls over, spills her water on her nightstand onto the floor, tries to turn on the light, knocks the lamp over onto the pile of mail. Comedy of errors. (laughs) Once the light is turned on and he picks up the lamp, he's trying to crawl to find the phone, almost falls off the bed into the laundry rack, which is a wooden laundry rack and would collapse if he made contact. Finally, he's able to uh, sluggishly Lumber over to the nightstand where she, her, her dresser find the phone and turn it off. He then gets back in bed, ready to fall back asleep. Oh, no. She had one to go off 15 minutes after that. Oh, my god! Finally turns it off, gets back in bed, only to be able to stay awake as she comes back in and gets ready for work.
1: He never falls asleep again. <laughs> Eric's single now, everyone. <laughs> Just kidding. Talk. I want to say, first of all, uh-huh. you're a gifted storyteller because <laughs> it was like I, when that water spilled... I was pins and needles over uh, here. I, I bit clean through my fingernails over here. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I watched a couple things I want right. to mention. Uh, Eric and I watched Batman Ninja, which we've been putting off for quite a while. But we watched Batman Ninja, and I thought it was actually kind of fun. I wouldn't go so far as to say it was, like, well done or a well-crafted <laughs> story, but it was very entertaining. I was hmm. I was pretty interested the whole time. What about mm-hmm. you? I liked it. You did? Yeah, I had a good time. Oh, you seemed critical of it. Did during I? During the time, yeah. When? I don't know. I just I picked
0: okay. one part I was critical of. No, there were some th- funny things about it, uh, some weird choices, but for the most part, I did like it. I, I yeah. like the animation. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I like that it felt like I don't know, kind of a stereotypical action anime mm-hmm. samurai mm-hmm. picture that you might be thinking, but yeah. with Batman. Right. It's knowing in what it does. Agreed. Um, but there's just a lot of fun stuff in there. I mean, there's way more monkeys than yes, you would exponentially expect. Exponentially more monkeys. But they're pretty were... fun. I mean, at one point. They don't even explain it away, but I think it's uh, Red Robin is just like, oh, yeah, it's a long story, but Robin has a monkey he can un- talk to. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So. And they play a magic flute and control yeah. monkeys. So, yep.
1: as you do. Yeah. As you do. Uh, in other Batman news, I watched the premiere of the CW's Batwoman. And I got to say, I really loved it. I thought you it was... really loved I it. did. I thought it was really well done. It you, you go into it in a really intriguing way where it just kind of sets you right up with... Uh-huh. Uh, intrigue and, and being uh, invested in what's going on. Uh, Ruby Rose as uh, a Kate Kane slash Batwoman. Ruby Rose uh, itself sounds like a comic book name. It does. You're yeah. right. But I thought it, I thought she was excellent. I thought she really kind of elevated that character and, and made it all work. Mm-hmm. It, it uh, A decent amount of Batman, you know, which what? is pretty cool. There's Batman you know? in this? Well, I mean, it, it's one of those, like they're not sitting down being like, hello, I'm Batman. But it's like you see Batman in action. What? Uh, more than I would have expected. I gotta and, watch this uh, Batwoman pilot. I know. It was really good. Yeah. You can you it. I watched it.
0: five seasons of Gotham yeah. for five minutes of Batman yeah. action.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I, just, <laughs> I thought that it was really well done. It's definitely one I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. I'm not caught up on the other shows, so I didn't see mm-hmm. the crossover last time that Batwoman has appeared in, but this right. is just a pilot by itself. You don't need to see anything right. else. You could just yeah. jump right in and watch this. So check it out. Would you say
0: um, Batman is in it as much as like Superman is in Supergirl?
1: Or less no. so. Okay. Less so, no. Yeah. I mean he doesn't have like dialogue or something. Right. It's just you. And you, he's just a straight up serial killer in uh, <laughs> no. Titans. In, in Titans. In <laughs> Titans, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Um but anyway, that was really good. If you're not familiar with the character, this is this is taking a lot of cues from a, a hardcover collection called Batwoman Elegy. Um Allergy? That, Elegy. E. L. E. G. Y. When you're allergic to dogs. <laughs> just Batwoman Elegy Uh, which is decent it's very trippy Um, I don't think I I think it would probably spoil things about the show so I wouldn't say like run right out and read Batwoman Elegy if you're interested in the show probably someday go ahead I think, really, um, Detective Comics Volume 1, which we have in the collection here, Rise of the Batman, you have Batwoman and Batman interacting with, with mm-hmm. the whole team. I think that's a really good intro to the character, and w- it would be something that you could read to get a little context without spoiling anything. Right. So, or, if you like the show and are interested in more, I would I would recommend that volume.
0: Movie-wise, the animated film Batman Bad Blood yes. has her in it. Yes, it
1: does. Yep. No. Yeah, but I do think Elegy would probably tell you a little bit more than you want to know. But I do but think
0: Batman Bad Blood would be an easier night
1: than... I thought we were just like competing. Going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. okay. All right. Well, I liked it. I liked right. it. I like how invested you were. Well, I think smart
0: people would watch Batman Bad Blood. Okay.
1: Go. Our producer's telling us to move along. <laughs> okay. All right. I like Ruby Rose and John Wick 2. Oh, okay. I haven't she, seen any of the John. She Long was Stones, in Resident but. Evil, the last,
0: the final chapter. Okay. I almost just called it Resident Evil, the last one. Okay. But you also could.
1: I, I mean, while we're off the rails, can I just say that it's the uh, it's the birthday of two of my oldest friends. Uh, you may they not. Sh- they share a birthday, so happy birthday to Rochelle, <laughs> yeah. friend since kindergarten. Happy birthday to Steve, who was just on our uh, our concert episode. He and oh, I, yeah. I went to see the Rolling Stones together, so yeah. you can go back and revisit uh, our summer of concerts with Steve and I uh, reviewing the Rolling Stones. Happy birthday to Rochelle and Steve. Happy birthday. On to book news. That's where we are now, yeah. Let's do it. All right. What do you got? New York Times bestseller. New York Times bestsellers list. Hit all right.
0: Me. Uh, Laura Prescott is here again. She has been here four weeks, but it hasn't been in the top 10 hmm. for all of those four now weeks. she's
1: moving on up. The Secrets We Kept. Kept? Kept. The Secrets We Kept. <laughs> Guess it depends on how many E's are in there, but I would probably say <laughs> kept. The kept. Secrets We Kept yeah. by Laura Prescott during the Cold
0: War. Okay. Sweater weather. Yeah, right there. Yeah, you it. Yeah. Members of the CIA Layers. typing pool and its mission to smuggle the band book Dr. Oh, sure, Yeah, I remember.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Firm. How yeah. can I forget It's such a goofy premise? Wow. Not not to say it won't work, <laughs> but when you just when you just see that on paper, it's right. like, well that's strange, you know? Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh What's next? Number nine. I'm, I I know what number is next. I'm i was just trying to what
1: book is next. Just trying to buy you some time. You're number half nine. Asleep, so. The
0: Oracle by Jonathan Cahn. A traveler discovers myst- mysteries hidden behind seven locked doors. Oh, he should ask the Oracle. Yeah, what's, what's behind it? Yeah, one of the doors can tell the truth. The other door can only reference things as the Grateful Dead songs. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know any Grateful Dead songs. Odd odd choice.
1: You've got to know that information <laughs> before you go in. What's Number name? eight. <laughs> Number
0: eight. Killer Instinct. By James Patterson and Howard Rogan. Maybe is you should this, read this. Is this a YA it's sci-fi I novel? I don't think so. Let's okay. see. <laughs> the second book in the Instinct series, when an act of terror strikes New York, Dr. Reinhardt and Detective Needham go after a sociopath. No, it, it doesn't seem like that. That seems a little more James yeah, Patterson. Kids aren't really into I didn't like realize, doctors. I
1: didn't really see had, had a new series. The Instinct series. Why don't you let kids speak for themselves? That's
0: true. We need more doctor protagonists. I remember I hear kids saying that all the time. I'm like, a doctor protagonist. Take a break, you know? Yeah. What about Doc McStuffins? (laughs) Oh yeah, kids like that. Yeah, she's a doctor. But kind of. Well, her mom's a real doctor. She's a toy doctor. She's a toy doctor. Yeah. For her toys. For her toys. So all the things that are hurting her toys,
1: she probably caused. Mm, That's a fair point. So That's a fair point. She's all, business is good. Yeah. But also a little bad. She's like that mom from The Sixth Sense
0: yikes no dark sorry that's Blake Lively is it not the mom but the daughter really yes interesting wait yes that sure feels wrong but <laughs> no it's right here well, you I'm, fact check I'm that I'm going to While I talk yeah. about number seven being the girl who lived twice by David Lacrance. I don't think you're allowed to do that live twice I was told you only live once no you only live twice really yeah once for yourself and one for your dreams I remember that now yeah, yeah. you're right
1: uh, That's a very racist James Bond movie the Nancy Sinatra film yeah I mean, it's I mean, that's, technically technically that's her, her, her song. song. <laughs> that movie, though, is, that does not age yeah. well, I got to say. Yeah, no, it doesn't.
0: Uh, what is this book about? Uh, Michael. Nope, oh, nope. I forget it. Boy. Dead man walking over here. <laughs> uh, oh, number six. Brand new. New this week. New to us, new to you the listeners. Uh-huh. Well, I guess I said us. Did you find Blake Lively? And I'm still looking for it. I know. She's she's the girl I'm that well, throws up in the tent. Okay, I believe you. He hides in the tent cuz he sees a ghost I know and she what throws you're talking up and throws about. up. I know what you're talking and he about. He listens and then he plays the tape at yeah. at, the funeral, at the funeral. And the yeah. dad's like, Oy "You were oh keeping her sick. It's your fault." And the wife doesn't say anything, but then Bruce Willis and uh, the kid leave. Uh, and then the movie becomes the kid with Bruce Willis where he's hanging out with his younger self. Why are you explaining this? <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Number six. <laughs> New this much. week
1: By a long shot. Did you find it? No. Oh, I'm how so- hard is it to look I, up IMDB? I just keep looking it up and I'm not seeing Blake Lively, so I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Check this out. I-M-D-B. No, no, no. You keep going. Six cents. You keep <laughs>
0: going. I got this. Ugh. This is going to be embarrassing for you. Somebody is going to turn to himself in the mirror and go, what are you
1: doing? I'm wondering why you're not just going on. Hold and on. do this. Okay. Hold on.
0: It's can't
1: go anywhere now i we're in this no you you can can you can mark this so that we'll cut it
0: oh you know what
1: blake lively's not in the sixth
0: sense it was misha barton okay misha barton from uh (laughs) the oc OC. yeah
1: and uh dancing with the stars for i just want to point out that i said (laughs) that sounds wrong as soon as you said it well blake lively was in something many things the Green Lantern movie. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I meant. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I How see.
0: I see a box office bomb. Oh, they could have used that. Where's that success? sense? You need to take a nap.
1: <laughs> number uh, seven are we on? No, no number six. Okay. The Dutch
0: House by Ann Pratchett. A sibling relationship
1: Patchett. is in... What? Patchett. You said Pratchett like Terry Pratchett. Patch what? But it's just Ann Patchett. That's funny. Next but, time we're no, playing Sea of not. Thieves
0: and the boat is sinking, I'll tell you to Ann it up. <laughs> I guess that'd be funny. Yeah, in the moment. A sibling relationship is impacted when the family goes from poverty to wealth and back again over the course of many decades. Wow, it's wow. like a tennis match back again. Yeah, yeah, that's That's, rough. that's like a uh, raging bull. You oh, seen that movie? No, I haven't. With Robert
1: De Niro. Spoiler alert! Now I know, but let's check it out. Oh yeah. Kind of happens with Rocky too. Not Rocky two, the film, but Rocky as well, the film. <laughs> Rocky as well. the <laughs> Rocky film. as well.
0: The Duchess. Yeah.
1: Sorry, everybody. Yeah.
0: Number five. Let's let's do this. Where the Crawdads Sings by Delia Owens. Hey number five i read it yeah it was fine uh number four vince flynn lethal agent by kyle mills not a fan of this series hmm. the mitch rap i don't like it it is mitch rap yeah mexican cartels isis and a possible pandemic bring mitch rap back into action
1: why did he leave do you remember that? i don't know do you remember the mike michael keaton uh dylan o'brien movie that nobody saw the, the, yeah tried to make happen american assassin not, yeah it was yeah. not going anywhere
0: Number three, The Testaments by Margaret Atwood in the sequel oh, yes. to the Handmaid's Tale. Old yes. Seekers bring three women together as the Republic of Gilead's theocratic regime shows signs of decay.
1: Fans demanded a sequel. What are you gonna do? <laughs>
0: uh you, well you're gonna be deb- you're gonna be at number three I behind. So. Stephen King's The Institute by Stephen King. I said Stephen King's the Institute by Stephen King. Yes. Absolutely. This is our Stephen King
1: pick of the of the year. Oh, yeah. Just you and me. You and me. We went through them last time. I don't remember what they all were, but. it's this one now. Yeah. The children with special was
0: talents are abducted and sequestered in an institution where the sinister staff seeks to extract their gifts through harsh methods. This is the X Men. This is Mr. It sinister. Does <laughs> <lot>. It does <laughs> sound a lot like it. That's, yeah. wait, careful of that
1: skin rash, Scott. What skin rash?
0: Never mind!
1: It's humor's not landing. Oh, sorry. That was very ominous, yeah. master. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, amphibious. Okay. Mutate of the savage lands.
1: <laughs> you, have a, you have a whole X-Men X-Men podcast for this gold. Great. Uh, number one, the
0: water dancers at number one. It's also new this week. Who is this by? Ta, uh, Tai.
1: No Ta Tanahisi Coats. Thank you, Tanahisi oh, okay. Coats. I've he's uh I think this is actually his first work of fiction though he's written uh Black Panther He mm-hmm. wrote Black yeah. Panther a
0: young man who is gifted with a mysterious power because part of a war between slavers and the enslaved Yikes. while also fighting Mr Sinister I don't think so from the X-Men
1: That's a weird place after the slavery plot. Why don't you take over the podcast for the next couple Oh now line? now you think? <laughs> Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, a few episodes back, uh, episode 211, to be precise, SoundCloud.com slash all the books, episode 211. Boy. Uh, we were talking about some- you being uh, paid by big all the books show? That's us. <laughs> That's us. Uh, we were talking about some new books in our collection. And actually, that was an all junior young adult spotlight. I didn't have any that time. That was all uh, you, yeah. big guy. Yeah. And uh, you were not kind to I the young adult books I brought I didn't up. like many of them. That's no. true. Dragonfell. Was it what?
0: Um, call it a doomsday? Destroy all monsters yeah. and uh,
1: something else. Yeah, and then I also no, brought dragons. I, I wasn't really liking the, yeah. the zone on those. And this one, I was all geared up. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, prejudged because I was like, eh, fantasy. I don't, I don't think yeah. I would really care for that. I thought, well, I don't think that's for me. Um, but then you started. Re- you read the first like chapter or mm-hmm. so, and I really was like, well, I want to know what happened. Mm-hmm. And so we committed on air to read this book, mm-hmm. come hell or high water, and we both did. We both enjoyed it. Yeah. reached out to the author, Sarah Prineas, asked if she'd uh, sit down and talk with us a little bit about Dragonfell and some of her other works, Mm. Magic Thief and all that. Uh, She quickly agreed. We set it up. And here we go.
2: All the Books Presents Author Spotlight.
1: Sarah, thanks for joining us.
2: Um, you're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me.
1: <laughs> Just to give you a little context, uh, we do a rotating segment on the show where we pick some books from our collection, new books uh, that are into the collection here that we're excited about. Um, I usually pick adult books, and Eric, who's a teen librarian, We'll pick YA and junior books. And he happened to pick Dragonfell. And so we just kind of take a look at it. We read a little bit of the the segment. And we were both really, really interested in it. So we decided that we just were going to sit down and read the book to discuss it. And that's when we reached out uh, to you to see if you'd uh, take some time to talk with us. So that's kind of how we got here. And again, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk. So let's just just start right from the beginning. So uh, Magic Thief was your first book, right? Which came out in 2008?
2: Yep, it's been about... Ten years. I'm ten years into my writing career. So. Oh, well,
1: that's a nice milestone. Uh, yeah. And how did that, how did that come about? Because you were you were working in higher education prior to that, is that right?
2: I was. I was um, uh, the director of scholarships at the University of Iowa Honors Program, and okay. I was kind of writing on the side. I also had two small children, and my husband was getting tenure, and so it was this it was this really busy busy time in my life, and I would find these little moments to write, um, and. Um, I had written a dud book four years to write. And then I started writing the magic thief and it just like every, I squeezed time out everywhere that I could find it to write this book. Um, it, it just gripped my imagination. I went, there are three more books in that series because mm-hmm. the character was just, So much fun to write and really, really good at getting into trouble, which is what you want your main characters to do, if at all
1: possible. Sure. So prior to that, I mean, had you entertained any ideas about being a full-time writer? Was that something that that was... okay? No,
2: no, not at all. And it's it's great that you guys are doing this kind of thing, because I remember when I was a kid, I never got... Like, there were no school visits. I never saw an author or heard from one. And so Mm -hmm. it didn't even occur to me that real actual people wrote the books that I love. <laughs> so it's it's really great that kids have programs like this or, or school visits or librarians who are willing to reach out and get authors to talk about what they do. Yeah, well, I mean,
1: we always enjoy it. Just, I mean, as library professionals, we enjoy it. But uh, to speak to what you're saying, I think it is really important to sort of demystify that and to show that this is something that, yeah. um, you know, kids, teens, adults yeah. who are interested in doing this, that you know it it is possible so yeah i th- i think it's a great way to uh, to connect our readers to uh, authors like you who are, who are favorites
0: so my my first question for you is uh, i'm interested in what fantasy books you were a fan of as a kid uh, and maybe which ones inspired you to write because when i was a kid i i don't remember a lot of books like dragonfell i don't remember the fantasy genre being a big okay. one for, yeah, for kids it, it, lit at least you know yeah. until Harry Potter came out and everything a lot of yeah. stuff was more sci-fi or goosebumps related when I was a kid yeah. a lot of mystery
2: well I pr- I'm probably even older than you are and when I was a kid for sure there were there was very little to choose from in terms of fantasy right. um and I really didn't start reading fantasy until I was in college that's when I started reading okay. adult fantasy books and that's when I read the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. um which was, you know, just a mind blower. (laughs) Um, But when I was a kid, I read, I remember I read, this is an oldie, but it's um, T.H. White's uh, The Once and Future King. And the first part of that is the Sword in the Stone story. Right. That five times fast. Sword in (laughs) the Stone story. Um, Which is the, you know, the young King Arthur story. And that one, so one of the things you see in a lot of my books is characters who can change into animals or, Um, into other creatures. But that comes from, that comes from the sword and the stone because young King Arthur, when he was a boy, is changed into all these different animals by Merlin Mm -hmm. so that he can learn about different parts of being a good king. Um, So that was a really formative book when I was little. Um, But other than that, well, Wrinkle in Time was another one that was huge. But as you say, that's sort of more science fiction-y than fantasy. And the other books that were really important to me, and I think that they do—they are relevant for a fantasy writer. Weirdly, um, are the Little House on the Prairie books by Laura Mm -hmm. Ingalls Wilder because she was so amazingly good at setting a scene. Sure. My theory is because she spent so much of her life describing things to Mary, to her sister who was blind, that she became really good at evoking what the like the real essential and that like I learned a lot as a writer mm-hmm. from reading Laura and trying to build like a fantasy world for the reader because they have to enter they have to really do a big act of the imagination to get into that world.
1: Yeah, and I see, I see what you're saying with that because in in historical fiction it is so important to to really lay out exactly yeah. what the experience of that character was going to be like so that yeah. it, there is an obvious uh, comparison there with fantasy which had never occurred to me before. So um, uh-huh. let so let's talk about Dragonfell. For those sure. who haven't who haven't read it, would you could you give just a quick synopsis of what we're talking about?
2: Sure. Um you know, it's funny to be talking about this book because I know it only came out this year, but of course I finished writing it like two years ago. I see if I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've written something else since then. In Dragonfell, it's set in a kind of um, world where factories and technology is starting to advance. And magical things are being squeezed out of this world. Um, because So the landscape is changing, for example. Mm-hmm. If coal you mines, your beautiful um, mountains are kind of maybe not there anymore um, And your skies are maybe getting more polluted from factories and so on um, So it, that's the setting of the world a world that's changing and Rafi is a kid who lives in this remote sheep farming village um, and um, Hasn't really been touched by those changes yet, but they're coming they're coming to his village and when change happens a lot of times people get scared and they're likely to lash out at anybody who's different. And Rafi is different. He looks different than everyone else in his in his village. Um, and he has flamingly bright hair, and his eyes are very dark, almost like they have shadows in them, and a spark deep, deep in his eyes. Um, and because he's different and because things are changing, he's cast out of his village. And so he has to go out into the world. And and the kind of mission that he has. Um, because of some of the s- stuff that goes down is that he has to find the dragons that are left in the world. Now people think they're gone because they haven't been seen in a long time. Right. Um, and he's joined in this quest by a girl named Maud, who is, or she calls herself a dragon scientist. Right. So she's both questing for dragons for different reasons and mm-hmm. adventures um, arise from that situation.
0: You, you kind of uh, mentioned this, but uh, ne- at the very end of the book, there's a line that Maude says, where she says, um, "Just because he's different doesn't mean he's dangerous." And yes. I, I, I kind of took that as the general thesis of the book.
2: It uh, is, in fact, okay. when I sign when I sign books, that's the line that I write down.
0: Okay, great. And so because
2: it's dangerous. <laughs> so how
0: important was that message to you then uh, to yeah, convey that well, in Dragonfell?
2: Hugely important. I think um, you know, in our current historical moment, there is a lot of fear mm-hmm. of people that are different. Um, and I I really think that tolerance and openness and being welcoming and making people feel like they belong is really really important right now. Right. Um, so I mean, that was very much an intentional move on my part, and and the kind of main you know I don't I don't think that books need to be like messagey. Um, right. But that's one of the main things I wanted to say in this book is mm-hmm. that um, people may be different from you, but that doesn't mean you should be afraid of them.
1: Well, you also mentioned in your synopsis there that this idea that there's this sort of a war going on between, you know, emerging technologies with the factories coming in and all that, it's kind <laughs> of pushing out the old ways, you know, it kind <laughs> of, I don't know, sort of minimizing the, the individual ingenuity and, 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 you know, with Flitch trying to sort of yeah. shift things. Yeah. And I just wondered, is, was that a message that you particularly wanted? I know you said you don't want messages, but I mean, was, right. that, a, was that a theme that you were trying to explore? Was that something that you, yeah. so that you wanted to talk about?
2: A, a little bit. Like, I don't want to be um, thinking that like technological advances are bad because I think many, many of them are good. Um, I would say almost all of them are good. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking right now, you we know, have really <laughs> yes. technological advance, right? Um, but I think it's really important to be mindful of the effects of the choices we make in terms of technology. So if you have a factory that's turning out, um, you know, in this ca- in the case of the story, you know, like cloth, um, that's kind of cheap and, and you're just going to wear it, you know, makes a shirt that you're only going to wear for a year and then throw away. That's mm-hmm. not very good for our world. Right. Like it's, if we have disposable product Um, whereas if we have, you have things that are made with care by artisans or people who are, are intentional about what they're doing, you might think, oh, that's more expensive and that's going to cost more. But in the long term, actually, it really doesn't. Like if you, if you're throwing away your shirt every year versus keeping a shirt that was made by somebody who really labored over it and cared about it, that ends up in the long run being, being less expensive and also less of a burden on our planet. Right. So... Um, so yeah, that, like, I think what I'm trying to say here is that balance is important.
1: Absolutely.
0: Having you just, uh, mentioned that Lord of the Rings was such an impact. I mean, that was a very, uh, big theme in his, uh, his books as well over, you know, the negative effects of industrializing everything. So I'm not too surprised to find it, uh, found its way into your writing too then.
2: That's very true.
0: Because you have written young adult books, uh, but you also you have written a lot of uh, juvenile, younger books uh, in the fantasy genre for both. Is there a special challenge to writing fantasy for kids for the younger audience? Uh, is there like, are there special um, challenges to world building?
2: I, I think kids are really super fun to write for because when we're adults, mm-hmm. um, we tend to get we're less flexible in in right. what we can take in. We're not we're not as programmed to learn as kids are. So. We're like, we open a book and we think, okay, um, you know, it has to be this certain kind of book or mm-hmm. we don't know what to do with it. Whereas right. kids, I think have reading protocols where they're like, bring it, just whatever you got, just give it to me and I will read it and I will not judge. I will just take it in and love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, think like kids are really open readers to like whatever, whatever's coming along and you can throw dragons at them or it's mm-hmm. magic and stuff. And they're, they're like really ready to take that on. So um, I, th- I would say like in some ways, um, adults, well, see, yeah, I'm a kids writer. I would say adults are harder to write. For.
0: Sure. <laughs> does that ease, continue on to the young adult genre or does it start to get a little bit more difficult as they get older?
2: Right. For me, um, writing young adult was, was hard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I had to do a lot more. Um, revision work with my editor on the young adult books. It just wasn't as natural a fit.
0: Okay. Uh,
2: but I will also say that the readers of those, I wrote, I've wrote, i written two young adult books, Ash and Bramble and Rose and Thorne. And it turns out the readers of those books are actually middle school students. They're not high okay. school students. The, the mail I get from readers is from kids who are 13, mm-hmm. 12, 14. I mean, that's where those books hit. That's right. the spot. So really they're kind of, sort of ya but not really
0: (laughs) well it's still still important to have uh younger uh written books in the ya section so they have a jumping on point
2: absolutely i mean i i work as a bookseller um Mm -hmm. two afternoons a week and there's a like we have a book selling category that we need to fill and that's i i really think for readers who are not quite ready for the like heavy content of ya Mm -hmm. but are ready to move on from middle grade, right, uh, and we just do not have enough books in that. <laughs> right. um,
0: yeah. I, ha- I have to ask because I was looking at the uh, the author description on the back of your book. Uh, sure. Your your own goats were they the inspiration?
2: Oh, they definitely were the inspiration. Yes, I, d- I don't have goats anymore. Um, okay. But I was writing when I was writing Dragonfall. I had goats, mm-hmm. and um, two of the goats that are in Rafi's goat horde mm-hmm. uh, are are goats goats that were my goats <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah yeah poppy was my little little fat goat and that's the goat that goes with rafi on his journey so goats are awesome <laughs> i want to put goats in all my books now <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds like a fun challenge try to find a way yeah. to work a goat into it every was, book going you forward
2: know my next book is is science fiction set on a spaceship, so I don't think there's going to be um, any goat.
1: <laughs> oh, OK. Well, that leads yeah. perfectly into my next question, which was I wonder if you could give us a little a little preview of, of what to expect next.
2: Yeah. So um, my next book, I I wrote. Um, so I I. I don't know if you know how this works, but we have um, an agent who does our kind of our business for us. Our authors have an agent, mm-hmm. and I hired my agent and oh. I got an agent. So I wrote a new book in order to get a new agent. I wanted to do something really different. Okay. So it's still middle grade, um, and it still has a character who um, changes shapes because he's a shape- shapeshifter. Um, it's called Trouble in the Stars, and it's about a kid who's a shapeshifter, which I think is not that much of a stretch because I feel like every 12 year old on this planet is a shapeshifter like kids, (laughs) right. As they grow and change. So, um, but he's, he doesn't actually have gender except when he's in the human shape. So I'm going to refer to him as he, but mostly he's they.
1: Um,
2: so he takes on a human shape and, and goes on a spaceship with, with some humans and other, um, life forms. Um, and, um, I don't want to talk too much about it, but, um, it just sold to a new publisher. So I'm really excited. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I've got coming up next, and it's not coming out until 2021. 2021,
1: okay, so we've got some time. The
2: lead time is really long in publishing.
1: And the the title again was?
2: Trouble in the Stars.
1: Trouble in the Stars from 2021.
2: The the character's character's name is Trouble.
1: (laughs) Ah, okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, hey, thanks again for talking to us this morning. We both really enjoyed the book, and maybe we'll have to have you back in 2021 when Trouble in the Stars comes out.
2: Right, oh, I would love to talk to you about that
1: book. All right, well, thanks so much.
2: All right, thanks a
1: lot. That was a great interview. Yeah, it was uh I I liked her point about um how how you know the interviews and talking to authors uh makes it a little bit more uh you know becoming an author makes it a little bit more uh accessible I guess to people out there who have that interest yeah. because uh I think you do I think you do sort of um I don't know. You take that, and it's it. There's such a there's such a disconnect between like somebody picking up a book and the person who's written it that they almost feel like almost yeah. like mythical, you know. So when you can break down that wall and just have a conversation, I think it makes mm-hmm. it makes it feel like a lot more attainable uh, the goal yeah. of, of being a writer. So yeah. anyway, uh, we really appreciated Sarah taking the time to talking about us. Uh, the book that we are covering right now, Dragonfell, is available in our collection, <laughs> or uh, really any any uh, the libraries in the Southern Tier Library or your own home library. So I encourage you to. Check Check that out. Her first book was The Magic Thief, and then she also mentioned some of her YA titles as well. Uh, we have a great assortment here in the library and through our uh, collection uh, across the, the five-county system. Mm-hmm. And the new book is coming out 2021, she said. Just a little bit of time on oh. that, but keep an eye out for that as well, Trouble in the Stars. Okay. Fantasy
0: always feels a bit warmer and cozier to me when mm. I'm reading it. Yeah. Even if it's like yeah. a barren wasteland, whenever I think of the fantasy books I've read, because at this point I've read a lot more than I ever thought I would because it connects to fairy tales we were listening to as Mm -hmm. kids and everything, but it it feels like you can just wrap yourself in a blanket and read a fantasy novel easier than, like, whereas a sci-fi novel, it tends not to be... I feel like sci-fi can be a lot more cynical.
1: mm -hmm. I think, and again, I'm such a fantasy novice that you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that most of the time what, what moves the story, what needs to happen in a fantasy is a lot more, like, based on relationships Mm -hmm. and like the physical act of like doing things, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like they have to, they have to like work together and there's so much is, is said about like in this book in particular you had the father and the son a lot of it was all about like how these relationships interact um you know the need their community has uh our main character going out to sort of meet that need it just feels a little bit more personal than sci-fi tends to be i think because of like technology and the distance that that brings and stuff so there is i think that is a that is a a main difference there which which Reflects in how the stories are are kind of forced to move forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, I, know, I hear what you're saying. Hmm. Again, thanks to our guest Sarah Prineas for uh, talking to us. And again, check out her books. Uh, let's talk library news. What do we have coming up? What do we have coming up? Well, the uh, book club, the book almost club is almost Halloween, and the book club is currently reading World War Z by Max Brooks. Yeah. We're going to be scu- discussing that on Halloween, so hopefully Eric Spoon. finds his uh, Halloween spirit before then. I'll find it. Uh, there's a play coming up in the library that is, uh, let's see, October 26th at 7 o'clock, October 27th at 2 o'clock. Ooh. You can come check out that, Murder Mystery. Uh, we're looking forward to doing that. Murder They acted. Ah. Sponsored by the Friends of the Library. So thanks to the Friends.
0: Teen Night. Every Wednesday, 5.30 to 7.30. Come hang out at the library if you're a teen. All right.
1: It's pretty fun. All right. We watched uh, Penguin Highway. It's a new anime film. I thought oh. it was pretty good. Okay. Last year for in the auditorium, we had a band called Hungry Town, which was October 30th. Mm. And people thought it was like a zombie band, but it wasn't. Oh. But this year, we do have Chris Johnson coming back and doing a fun, spooky presentation called mm-hmm. New York Ghosts. Ooh. So you can come and check that out on Wednesday the 16th at 7 o'clock. That's going to be in the exhibition room. Mm-hmm. And the very next night, we have Nate and Kate in concert down oh, in the auditorium. Fun. 7 o'clock on Thursday, October 17th and the concert or the uh, plays at the end of the month you should try to World get World War Z on Halloween you should try to get the band
0: The Zombies to come to the library I think they're Halloween. pretty pricey you think so pretty pricey I think But their
1: one song even so I think probably yeah.
0: just have them sing everything but that one song oh yeah
1: all they the could, leaves are brown they could, that's Mamas and the Papas so they could Uh-oh. cover Mamas and the Papas maybe <laughs> that would help yeah uh, cause the zombies if a, doing if it's a cover we don't have to pay royalty fees oh that. I think I think you still do but oh they do anyway <laughs> anyway uh, thanks for tuning in who's your daddy we've got some fun interviews coming up I'm gonna make Eric get some sleep and we'll see you next time